You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family and conquering the challenges of today. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and professionals we trust to help you create the strong marriage you desire and deserve. Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate Wendell, and today I have a very, very special guest who I had the pleasure of getting to know just recently at one of these most amazing mastermind events that uh, that we're both a part of, and uh, just deep conversation, beautiful connection. And as I as I introduce Michael, um, I also want to just preface that this may be an interview that uh, may trigger some things for people as you're listening. And so I just want you to know that if that's the case, to please, you know, reach out to resources who can help you. Uh, please reach out to Michael as you hear his story. We'll have his resources to know that you're going, you know, whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. And uh, I will have also resources uh, linked up in the show notes so that you can refer to that if you feel like you need someone to talk to. But Michael, Michael Unbroken was born to a hyper abusive drug addicted mother who cut his finger off at the age of four a stepfather who you pray you never have, and a racist grandmother that pushed him into an identity crisis. By the time he was nine, his family was in poverty and often homeless, all while being members of the Mormon church. At age 12, he was adopted by his grandmother and quickly turned to drugs and alcohol to survive the continuing abuse. Despite multiple learning disabilities and not graduating high school on time, Michael found success in corporate America in his early 20s. However, success only made things worse. He found himself morbidly obese, high and drunk daily, and ultimately self-sabotaging everything around him. It was not until finding his inner power through his mirror moment and choosing to do whatever it took to work through childhood trauma that his life really began. Michael Anthony is the author of the best-selling book, Think Unbroken, and is a coach, mentor, and educator for adult survivors of child abuse. Michael spends his time helping other survivors get out of the vortex to become the hero of his of their own story and to take their lives back. Michael also is the host of the Michael Unbroken podcast, teaches at the Think Unbroken Academy, and is on a mission to end generational trauma through giving survivors the tools to be the hero of their story. Michael, welcome to The One Relationship. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very appreciative. And I was just like, man, that intro was so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I um, I sometimes get bios from uh, from guests and I'm like, yeah, it's long. Like, do we want to say all this? And uh, And I chose to actually read your whole bio because there's so many nuggets of, you know, what you've gone through. Uh, what you're doing, what you've overcome, that I didn't actually feel like, you know, anything should should be left out. So, um, and and quite frankly, from there, it helps me think of, you know, really where to start, right? You've gone through so much as a childhood and you had this mere moment. So let's actually start there. Like, you know, we've, we've heard a little bit of your past, you know, certainly can give some backstory there. 
but let's talk about what, what is that mirror moment? Like, what is that? What was that shift for you? Yeah, that, that's actually a really great question. You know, I was, I was 25 years old and life was just a disaster. I had, I had chased money. Um, I had chased drugs and, and women and like really was destroying my own life effectively, right? Because I hadn't dealt with any of the abuse that had happened to me as a child. Like literally that intro you read is more than people who knew me for my entire life knew about me, right? Mm -hmm. That's how yeah. deep and close to the chest I had kept that stuff. And so I was seeking, um, gosh, compassion, love, hope, grace, all of those things in the wrong way. And thinking like, you know, that concept of like man up, get over it was just always in my head. And I was constantly pretending that I wasn't impacted by the abuse. And so I find myself 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep. My, my life is about as rock bottom as rock bottom can get. And I'm laying in bed one day. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm watching the CrossFit games and eating chocolate cake. Like if that's not rock bottom, like I really don't know what is. And here I am. I'm like, I go in the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror and I, I like, and it wasn't this moment. It was the next day. And I, I'm like, I don't recognize this face. I'm buttoning up a size 4XL shirt, size 47 pants. I'm like, what is happening? And in that moment, I just, I did something I'd never done. And, and I, I don't know if it was, I don't know where it came from, to be honest with you. I just like looked at myself in the mirror and all the emotions you can imagine just started running through me because it was the first time I had ever like looked at myself, right? Right in my eyes, did not break contact, like tears just running down my face. And in that moment, I started asking myself like, like, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? Because I'd always blamed everyone. I blamed the world. I blamed society. I blamed the government. I blamed my mom, my stepfather, my dad, my grandma, my neighborhood, my teachers, my community, my peers. But I never took responsibility for my own life. And in that moment, I asked myself, well, what are you willing to do right now? And, and the words, no excuses, just results came into my brain and like they buried into my head. And in that moment, it really became this thing about by any means necessary. It was like, it's going to, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. The therapy, the group therapy, the CBT, EMDR, the ABC, all the acronyms, <laughs> right? I'm going right. to, I'm going to go and get serious about this. I'm going to go and learn personal development. I'm going to go and learn from people like Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard and Marie Forleo and, and, you know, Napoleon Hill and the list goes on and on and on about those people. And then I'm going to go and get serious about therapy. I'd been going to therapy since I was like seven years old and I learned to lie to therapists because the first therapist I ever had would like go and tell my mom the things that I said, right? Mm. And so I learned to turn that off. And in my 20s, early 20s, like I was literally going to therapist office, giving them hundreds of dollars a week and telling them what I thought they wanted to hear. Like if this isn't the mo most asinine thing you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> and so, you know, these things about getting serious then led to can I educate myself about understanding the impact of trauma? And I just happened to be on YouTube one day, like seven years ago, it might've been eight years ago now. Um, and this video about this thing called the ACE survey popped up, adverse childhood experiences. Uh, and this guy, Dr. Felitti, who ran this 
research survey in the mid 90s discovered a correlation between child abuse and long term detrimental health ramifications in adulthood. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating because my body is literally killing me right now because I'd gotten this bacterial infection. I'd been to 100 doctors in three years. Like it was a night, I was on death's door. And then I learned something really fascinating that, that our past dictates our future until we determine to choose not to allow it to. And, and in that moment, like I was really, it all came back to that mirror because I remembered a promise that I made. I was eight years old and we were, we were homeless constantly, or we were deeply in poverty. And I grew up in Indianapolis and it was a blistering hot August, Indiana summer day. And the water company came and they turned our water off. My mom was using all of our money to buy drugs. And they turn, imagine that living in America, they turn your water off. That's how poor we were, how much in poverty we were. And I took this little blue bucket that was in the backyard and I walked across the street to the neighbor's house and I stole water, like for real, for real. And at 20, I guess I was really 26 years old. I was standing in front of that mirror and I remembered that moment of being that little boy and the promise I made to myself that when I was a grown up, this wasn't going to be my life. And I had money because I had success in corporate America and I'd been an entrepreneur and I like business was great, but every other aspect of my life was, was terrible. And I remember that promise and, and that really sparked this this revolution and evolution of my life that 11 years later has me sitting here talking to you. Yeah. So, the, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, there's so many little things that I'm like, oh, we can go down this road and we can talk about this, right? And the, the first thing is that to take ownership, right? So we take ownership for our life. Many people, and I'm not saying everyone, but many people look to point the finger at someone else for their circumstances. And there's certainly things that may happen that are out of your control, but it is your control and your responsibility of how you're going to respond to it and handle it and work through it and, and, and move past it. Like that's where the ownership comes into play um, and, and the choices we make from those circumstances. So I think that's, you know, that in itself, I mean, it's something that Tanner and I you know, we talk about often of, you know, having ownership within your relationship and your marriage and your family and where are you going, you know, making that decision of like, where, where are you going? What kind of life do you want? Uh, the, the other thing that stood out is uh, in, in listening to your story, for the people who are also, you know, listening right now, it may not be such massive trauma like you have experienced there could be small things. So maybe just kind of um, share a little bit of, you know, the like the big T trauma or the little T trauma, because we could still see some of these small things that were traumatic, like, you know, just being left out, right? Like it's not abuse, but you're being left out of things as a kid and how that makes you feel and how that builds your confidence, right? So talk a little bit maybe about the, the big T trauma, the little T trauma, and how that still can affect you moving forward and how, how to work through that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm, I'm going to say this first, you're absolutely right. I think so much about life and when we create change and, and reshape the capabilities that we have in our life, begin with this idea of acknowledging 
of taking ownership of, of really sitting within this. And, and look, I want to be clear. You're not culpable for the things that happened to you as a child. Like nobody is like those things are not your fault. And that's the thing you have to work through, right. To get to that yeah. place within yourself, to acknowledge that. But as an adult, and this is where like I get canceled all the time. I'll be honest with you as an adult, it's on you you are responsible for everything that happens in your life moving forward. And you don't get to blame other people because you can change your life literally in one moment. And the hard part about that is learning to trust your gut and your intuition, which is a whole nother conversation. But ultimately, every single time that you're blaming the world for your problems, you're taking away from your future because you're, you're, you're using things that you can't control anyway as a scapegoat. And that just isn't going to be long-term viable. As for talking about trauma, I mean, there's huge trauma, right? I mean, growing up in a traumatic household, whether it's abuse, physical, mental, emotional, that carries weight. And those are the things that people often point to, whether you were beaten or locked in closets or molested or, you know, who knows the, the litany of terrible things that we do to each other as human beings. And then there's the little incremental micular, like microscopic and granular things that happen that in passing change your life forever that you don't typically notice unless someone points it out to you. And that's very much like you could be in third grade and you have the picture of the house, the outline, and your teacher brings you the markers and you take the markers and you start coloring the house pink and the, and the sun green and the grass purple. And the teacher goes, that's not how you do that. You're wrong. You're not like the other kids. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? Like these things happen, right? And 35 years later, you're terrified to be the person that you're capable of being because you're worried about the judgment from other people. And, And that's the truth of the reality of the world that we live in. It could be the thing that the football coach or the cheerleading coach said to you when you were 12 about the way you perform. It could be in passing what your friend, the comment that they made about your hair that one time you decided I'm gonna cut it, right? So much of the things that happen in our life Because especially in our developmental years, when we're creating the foundations and understandings and frameworks of who it is that we think we are by experimenting and trying things and often doing weird, stupid things because we're weird (laughs) kids, lead to this place where, where we're terrified of the ramification and judgments of others that then in turn become so detrimental that we're afraid not only to speak up for ourselves, but how dare we even believe that we're capable of doing something other than what people have given us permission to do. And so when you really like deeply dive into the granular aspects of it, one of the things that you start to realize is that trauma and, and, and I think about trauma being very much the, the after effect, right? It's what's left over after the experience, but those single individual experiences build up and catapult or excuse me, build up and create the snowball effect where as they, they start to leverage against what you believe you are as a human being, create this avalanche that slowly engulfs you to the point where you lay in bed at night and you go, I don't know who I am. And so the, the thing about it is you have to understand that it's not always just the physical abuse or the things that we hear on the news. And, and unfortunately, a lot of that is very, very terrible But it's the little things in passing that we don't bring to our attention that if you really sat down, you thought about the reason why you're terrified to write that book or leave that relationship or ask that person to marry you or quit that job or go on that adventure, do whatever is tied into singular experiences that kind of multiply over time. Yeah. And I think about the the couples, you know, Tanner and I have worked with and 
the moms that I'm interacting with, you know, and, and even just some of the groups that I'm a part of. And I listen to these, these mothers and these women, um, you know, they're, they're asking for prayers because they're not, uh, they, they don't like what, you know, their, their husband said to them, you know, or, and, and maybe, and, and certainly can be the reverse. Um, so I think, you know, the trauma can come within the current relationship. And I just want to kind of touch on how this affects relationships, right? Because we, uh, you know, we hear that the decisions we make today affect seven generations later. And so we're being affected by what, you know, our families and ancestors have done seven years prior, you know, those seven or seven generations rather. And, and now the decisions we're making today are going to affect those future generations. So for the couples, you know, the, you know, the, the, they're listening, like, how do you, like, what do you say to them to be like, here's what you want to pay attention to. Like, if this is in your relationship right now, um, this is what's not acceptable. Make that, make that choice to work at correcting it for your children's sake and the future generations. You know, like, how do you, how, how does one even just start with that process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I coach, sometimes I coach couples, but typically I'm coaching individuals, right? right. And, and the one thing that they all have in common, whether they're married or they have children or they're dating or whatever, is people get into these things without the, without the guide, right? Because there's no rule book in life. You just kind of show right. up and you go, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. And, and I always think about this. Would you ever take a job if you didn't know what the expectations are? Would you ever buy a car if you didn't know how much you have to pay each month? Would you ever go sit down and dinner if you didn't know what was coming in the bowl, right? Yeah. And yet we get ourselves in this <laughs> right. position of we, we get into relationships, partnerships, agreements, whatever it is, and there's no parameters of acceptability, Right. And because there's no parameter of acceptability, we just go, okay, it's probably their fault that they don't like the way that I communicate. Well, where did you sit down and make the no yelling rule? Right. Where did you sit down and say that on Thursday nights, no matter what, we go on date night? Where did you sit down and bring your individual's values? Right. Which most people can't even name. If you can't name your values, let's start there because you need to know exactly yeah. who you are. And, you know, they always say if you don't if you don't stand for something, you'll so, fall for anything. And so that was my high school yearbook quote. <laughs> yeah. But it actually yeah. means like in passing totally. in passing, people go, OK, Cole heard that quote a million times. In practicality, it's everything. Yeah. Right. And so the, the biggest thing is like, if you are in conflict, which most people are terrified it, to, to face, to work through, to talk about, then the first thing that you have to do is sit down and have a conversation and basically create the declaration of who it is that you are in your, in your relationship. But I think before you like, honestly, Kay, I think the precursor to that is you have to do it for yourself. Know who yeah. you are first, because, you know, if you don't, then you're going to end up in codependency and that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But can you find equilibrium between who you are together while facing the juxtaposition that in reality, even if you're with someone for a hundred years, you're going to know 1% of them because we have 6,000 thoughts a day. And some people say 60,000, I don't know, because we can't even measure it. And so I think it always starts at baseline, like right up in a great, like literally 
sit down, go to dinner, write up an agreement and talk about how you want to be in connection with each other in your relationship. And this crosses the entire boundaries and aspects of everything that you do from the way you talk to yourself, to the way that you spend money, to the way that you have intimacy, to the way that you raise the children to, you know, some people don't even know, are we hitting? Are we not hitting? Are we spanking? Are we not spanking? Are we time outing? Are we not time? Like you don't even know that. Right. And so now you have conflict because your kids are confused. Right. They don't even know how act in their home. Right. And so now you have that thing going on. And yeah, and I think the biggest thing is like get super, super clear about who it is that you are individually and together. And then you won't be stuck within this uh, what I would call limbo. Yeah. So and so this is I mean, this is so much also, again, you know, what what Tanner and I teach, uh, what I'm teaching with with moms, like, you know, having that ownership. Um, the responsibility of where, you know, where you are and where you want to go. Um, and, and to have that clarity of who you are as an individual. And then of course, as a couple, and then as a family, you know, what's the family culture that you also are creating as well. So, I mean, these are, these are, it's, I'm, I'm somewhat amazed as I've gotten into this work, how few couples actually talk about this stuff and like put this stuff together. And it was something that Tanner and I, now granted we didn't have all of it completely mapped out, but we had these major conversations before we really got into the whole dating part. Forget about even marriage, but just to date. Like, where are we on certain things? Because if these don't actually align, like what's the point of dating? And people don't even get into those conversations. So it's, uh, it's, it's yeah, clarity is so important um, for, for one's life along with, with their relationships. Um, because it really does affect how, um, how you're going to move forward. And if you don't like what the current situation is, uh, it's not going to change unless you get clear of like where you're going, right. Having that vision. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Um, tell me what, what do you consider the vortex you talk about, you know, helping people get out of the vortex. So what does that look like? Maybe someone listening now is in the vortex and they don't even realize it. Yeah, that that's that rock bottom, right? That's that place where we're being mean to ourselves. You know, there, there are things that we say to ourselves that we wouldn't dare say to another human being. This is why I said I came back to like, start with you first. You know, there, there's a rule that I have within my own life that I am not mean to myself ever for any reason, right? Yeah. And so being in the vortex is that negative self-talk. And I'll tell you this, you don't, you don't get to 350 pounds drinking yourself to sleep without a lot of effort, right? And so you have to think about, what is happening in your life? How are you showing up for yourself? How are you speaking to yourself? Because what you what you think becomes what you speak and what you speak becomes your action and your action become your reality. And so every time you are limiting yourself- Can you just stop and say that again? Yeah. That's so people, people I think should hear that again. Say that again. Yeah, it's, it's deep, right? Because it's yeah. true. Right. What you think becomes what you speak and what you speak becomes your action and your action becomes your reality. Yeah. I think, Kate, I know this sounds crazy. We live in the matrix, like for real. Yeah. 
You have the ability to control everything that happens in your life. You speak it into existence and then you mm-hmm. put forth a tremendous amount of action while understanding that there's no Disney moment and that nobody's coming to save you and you're going to have to put in an unbelievable amount of work more than you even understand until you're in it. And in seven years, 12 years, 13 years, the things that you want in your life will start to come to fruition. And that only starts with believing that you're capable of doing it. And every time that you tell yourself you can't, then it's true. Every time you tell yourself you can, then it's true because like I've done amazing things in my life and I'm not special. I'm not somehow, I don't know anything you don't know. I didn't graduate from high school on time. I had straight F's. I wrote a number one best-selling book. I was impoverished and homeless as a kid. I've lived in 12 countries. I was terrified to use my voice as a child. I've spoken on the biggest stages in the world, right? Because I believe that I could. And every single day in my journal, I sit down and I write down my goals. I write down who I am. I hold myself accountable for that. But it all starts with the way I talk to myself. People get in this place I call the vortex when they're just spiraling, right? They're just like, my life, woe is me. Woe is you is right. Do something about it, right? Like at the end of the day, and I know this is hard for people to hear because especially growing up in Western society in America, particularly, we're told that someone's going to come and take care of us. Someone's going to come and be the person that changes your life. No, the person that changes your life is the mirror. Go look at that. Go get super clear about what you want and then tell yourself that you are allowed. You are allowed. Give your, stop asking people for permission. You are allowed to have the life that you want to have, but only you are going to give it to yourself. And I think many people also just think that life is supposed to be rosy and, and rainbow, you know, roses and rainbows all the time. And that's actually not how life works. Life is going to give us bumps and heartbreak and tragedy and abuse. Like, I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but that's but that's how life operates. So we're not going to have all these amazing moments. We're not going to be happy all the time. I think, um, what the heck is that? Uh, now I'm, I'm thinking of it and it's not going to come to me, but there's a movie um, you know, an animated film that, that this is, they talk about all the emotions, right? And joy is like just happy all the time when sad can actually provide some empathy, right? And then, you know, and it helps someone move forward because sad can give empathy where when you're sad, you don't always want to be joy. You know, like there's just a way, like we have to know how to work through emotions and know that it's okay if you have a sad moment. It's okay if you had some heartbreak or tragedy, uh, it's now, it's now, how are you going to respond and move forward with it? And that is in your control. And it's, uh, it's what you do with it. I mean, you could easily continue to be the guy that's mad at the world and mad at everyone and, uh, and, and, and continue to just destroy yourself. You could be that guy. You have, you have so many reasons to continue to be that guy and you're choosing to not be that guy. And with your, experiences, you're now helping other people, which is the most beautiful thing to do. And yeah, to, to you know, I'd, I'd rather be laying in bed eating Cheetos and playing video games right now. Not going to lie. Right. <laughs> but, but that's not the life that I want. Right. And so even though, and this is what happens, right. People get in conflict with, with what they want because they're not clear about it. Mm-hmm. And so I know my, like, and I'm not saying you have to have this huge overarching life mission. It can right, be right. be a good person. It can be be kind to yourself. It can be if you want to go home after work and chill, 
do that. You don't have to do all the things that everybody else on planet Earth does. But the question that I always ask is like, are you good with who you are? Because as long as you're good with who you are, that's the only thing that matters. Stop looking for justification from other people. And look, I easily could go back to that person, but I choose not to every single day. And it's not that it's not hard. And it's not that that voice doesn't still sit on my shoulder and say, Michael, you're not good enough, strong enough, capable enough. I just go, whose voice is going to be bigger, the past or the present? Because right now in this moment, I get to make a choice about everything in my life how I show up, how I feed myself, how I interact with people, how I have dinner, you know, and, and have conversations show up for the world. And, and like being of service, like I didn't sign up for this job. I don't even want this job. Right. But at the end of the day, I say, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to, and if not now, then when, and, and I cannot put my head on the pillow at the end of the night and think that, there's any other possible way to justify all the tremendous amount of abuse that I went through without understanding that it is somehow my mission to now be the spokesperson for this. I don't want to, but the truth is I also more so don't want another child to have to go through what I went through as a kid. And I think that the only way we get to this point of healing is we got to create an expansion. We have to start with the adults and we have to impact the children. And somehow on a long enough timeline, we meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, like what's driving you? Why are you showing? Why bother? Right? Like this applies to life, to relationship, to career, to listening to this right now. Why bother? What are you doing it for? Because if you're just doing it because you feel like that's what I'm supposed to do, like that, like you're going to quit. You're never going to cross the finish line. But if you are super clear and concise about why you want to be the best mother, the best father, the best couple, the, you know, the most giving people at your church and in your community and show up and take the kids in. I'll tell you this, like growing up in church, like I saw the best of and the worst of people, right? Because we, and that's not a conversation we have to get into. But my point is when I was in the homes of some of these incredible families, as a child, I lived with 30 different families between like eight to 10 years old, just literally bounced from place to place to place. The amount of love and compassion and empathy and hope that I got in those very small, minute moments were incredible. And those people were operating for something bigger than them, meaning that they were willing to show up. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what I'm always thinking about. Like, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And if you're not super clear about why you're willing to suffer through the pain, because obviously life at times can be painful. And if you're not willing to suffer through the pain that is before, right, before you reach your goal, then you will quit every single time. Yeah. I mean, I uh, just recently shared this on, on socials that, uh, you know, God qualifies the called. And as you said, you know, like I didn't sign up for this, right? I don't, I don't necessarily want to do this. Um, and, and Tanner and I are, are, are in somewhat of the similar place that, you know, it would be nice. We could just, you know, not worry about work. I had a very easy full-time job in radio that, you know, minimal hours and I could get a nice paycheck and, uh, I can, I can spend all the time with my, my kids and just focus on them. And there's something on my heart. It just pulls me to something else. And again, for you who might be listening, it doesn't have to be this massive mission that, you know, Michael is feeling and pulling and, and, and working and continuing to build or what, you know, Tanner and I are building. It doesn't have to be this massive mission. 
like I'm I'm scared a lot about what 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 it entails. But I also know that we've been through so much that we can impact families and change the trajectory of how families operate. And quite frankly, I want that for my children because I know that the kids who are their age right now and when they go and, you know, start meeting and making friends, you know, they're in, in their, you know, adult life, young adult and adult life and who they're going to marry and what that like, I want to make sure that they have choices of good people they can be around. So, I mean, it's somewhat selfish to start with, but to think how we could literally change the trajectory of how our society operates and the world operates like that's massive but also to know that it doesn't have to be this massive thing like you shared michael like it it can be just showing up to be a good parent and a good wife or good husband that you're just setting you know setting that good example you're doing good work for for your job and you're doing good work for your home like that that sometimes is just all we need to be that example yeah and i i think as a as a, a coattail to that Good it has to be self-defined. You have to determine what that is. Mm-hmm. Every single time we're out here measuring, you know, it's the keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yeah. Look how they operate. Look at their family. Look how they got Easter pictures, right? That whole night, like, <laughs> that's so silly. Every time you do that, you're taken away. You're taking away from yourself. You have to, and this comes back to what we're talking about a minute ago, when you're creating definitions of who you are and who you want to be in a, in a couple dumb, in a family, in a relationship, in a community, in a business, right? You have to self-define these things because once you're clear on that, then you're not worried about what other people are doing. What do they have to do with you anyway? And, and uh, I forgot where we did, I just recently heard it, but you know, people are judging regardless, you know, we're, we've got this fear of judgment in yeah. this, in this society and they're judging regardless. So don't worry. Like it, it doesn't too. matter. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you're doing. You, you might be absolutely on point today and someone's still judging you and it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. Like do you and, and be your best self. Like that's, and, and really this, you know, overall theme of this episode is just to be, to, to take responsibility. You are in control of how you move forward from this day forward. You've heard this episode. You can't unhear it. You've got this information now, right? Like move forward for, for your best self and for your family and, and to have that clarity, you know, like clarity will give you direction. It will give you to know what is the next step. Right. That's the sometimes where people are like, I don't even know where to begin. And it clarity gives you that next step. You know what to do. And and in and in closing, like how what would you offer our audience of like what it like having a mentor, having a coach, like how to be able to move forward? They're they're recognizing that, hey, maybe my my spouse has had some trauma and we gotta work through that, or maybe it's me, or you know, just recognizing things aren't the best of where they where they would like their family and their marriage to be how does one just make that next step and and realize like hey there there is help out there yeah well you know you have to first be willing to ask for help i mean that's what it comes down to you know and and it, it's so fascinating to me as you understand the the industrial revolution of america and how we suddenly turned into this country that became less and less and less communal generation by generation yeah. and now like you live on a, a block where you don't know any of your neighbors and 
you know, it starts with people won't even ask for help anymore. They're, they're terrified of the idea that somehow, and to your point, you're going to get judged anyway. Guess what? Somebody doesn't like you already. It's fine. What does that have to do with you? Right. What does that have to do with you? And asking for help while seen as weakness in this backward society is what I will argue to be the strongest thing an individual will ever do because no one great has ever done anything alone. I dare you name them. They don't exist. We are a communal species. We are a communal animal. And you must understand that asking for help can be the difference between success and failure in your life, your relationship, your career with your family, everything. And so you have to get comfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable by asking someone to support you. I mean, I have a mentor or a coach for everything in my life for business. I got a coaching coach, right? I got, <laughs> you know, I have a yeah. fitness coach. I have a everything, right? Because I understand something that I don't know anything. And the more that I do this thing called life, the more I understand I don't know anything. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're definitely in the wrong room because that means that you are no longer growing. And with that, as you step into this journey, especially around healing trauma, you have to understand something. This is the elephant in the room of mental health care, not only in America, but around the world. And people are terrified Amen. to talk about it. Yet 83% of adults have experienced an adverse childhood experience. And yet we're going to pretend that that stuff doesn't matter. And when you ask for help, it's amazing. Like, I love what happens when people come and work with me in coaching and they, they call me and they go, you know what? I had a great day. I had a great week. Mm. I showed up for myself. I did that thing. You know, I, it's crazy. People, when you start healing your mind, your spirit and your soul, you start healing your body and you start healing by proxy your environment. And then suddenly, to my point earlier, you're in the matrix where you have shaped this thing, right? It's a very red pill, blue pill. Which one are you going to take? Are you going to take control of your life or not? And sometimes that taking control of your life literally just starts with, hey, can you help me? Yeah. Uh. And you're, yeah, I mean, we have coaches and mentors in our life for just about every aspect of our life as well. And we know we don't know everything or anything, as you say, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean that because I, I had this mentality for a very long time that, you know, the self-help books and all that kind of stuff out there uh, was for people who were totally messed up. And it's, there's just a misconception of that. It's, it's not true. You want to continue to grow and learn and develop and, and, and be more than you were yesterday. You know, that's where the competition is. Be more than who you were yesterday. Don't worry about everyone else, just you, you know, and what is most important to you that you show up for every day. And it's okay that you have people to help you along the way for that. We're not supposed to figure out everything on our own. We've never been a, a human. Human race is not like that. And uh, we've never been designed to, to, to be like that. And it's been extremely challenging coming out of the last 18 months of uh, a pandemic where we felt like we've been alone. But I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, or that we have actually been alone. Um, but don't, don't let that be the case anymore. If you've got to find it virtually, do that. If you've got to find a mentor uh, from afar, be engrossed in everything that they're doing from afar until it can start to become more of a, a habit and a communal thing for, for you. And Michael is, is, is a great resource for you to be able to, 
you know, lean on and overcome that trauma that you might be dealing with right now. Um, of course, Tanner and I are here too to continue to develop and build that community and, and nurture marriages and families. Um, and, and we're here for you. So Michael, thank you so much for being a part of the one relationship. I, I feel like we're going to have to have you come back because there's so much more that we can take different angles and, and elaborate on this. Uh, so we'll have to do a part two. Um, but really just so grateful for your insight and, and your honesty um, and the work that you're doing to help so many people. Yeah, thank you so much. And it's a pleasure. I love what you guys are doing because it's so important because, you know, I, I wouldn't need that. Like, I think about this often, like we, while have a separate direction that we head are also in parallel. And mm -hmm. so you're a part of my mission as well, because if we can heal relationships then we don't have to have their children come to me in 10 years. Yeah. Amen to that. We're going to keep working together. We're staying connected. So we'll, uh, we'll find more ways to be able to, to join forces and, and help each other and help the people who really do want to move past this and take control of their life. So we're on it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Michael. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. We're committed to building strong marriages to create the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family, and conquering the challenges of today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe right now to keep up to date with our weekly episodes. We'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. Join us next time for more real talk on the one relationship.